Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Boys, boys, I feel like I need a cigarette. You need a cigarette. Do you feel me on that? You need a cigarette. You need a cigarette. Buddy, I need a drink. It's over. It's over. The draft is over. Welcome into Steelers Standards draft draft extravaganza. We're coming to you live. The last pick was made no less than an hour ago in the draft. We're in the studio. 200, what, 62 picks? 261? I think so, whatever. Mr. Irrelevant was just drafted, and we're here cutting it up on these mics for you because we love you that much. We're giving you the most fresh draft takes you can get in this damn town. As fresh as you can get. As fresh as you can get. The freshest. Farmer's Market fresh takes coming <laughs> Giant from... Giant Eagle Market District fresh. Coming from Jacob, Kellen, and myself, Tom, here on Steelers Standard, and... I have a feeling we're going to spend the first two episodes just talking about all Steelers draft, and I have a feeling we might spend the entire episode talking about this guy right here. One guy in particular. Their number one pick at number 24, Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. Oh, baby. I couldn't be more ecstatic. Jacob texted a gif to our group message that I can't repeat on the air right now. It, it, that's how excited he was. We were all on the same page. What a great pick. And I think Kevin Colbert said it best in his press conference afterwards where he was surprised that Najee Harris was there. He flat out said, I think it was Dale that asked him, you know, was Najee a guy that you circled all along that you wanted him at 24, kind of like your dream target? And Colbert basically said, yeah, he was one of the guys that we had. And he candidly said, honestly, I'm just surprised that he fell that far. And I'm surprised, too. Every mock draft we pretty much did leading up to this had Najee going earlier than Pittsburgh. But thank God that he waited until the 24th pick in the NFL draft to go. Once the Dolphins took that defensive end, it felt like the ball was rolling completely downhill. That was the last speed bump. And sure enough, Najee Harris' name was called at number 24, and he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, you know, and I think part of the reason that, that Colbert said, you know, that he was surprised, and I think some people were surprised that Najee Harris was still there. Um, I mean, when was the last time the Steelers got to pick somebody like the best player at a position that they need? When was the last and the time guy that, that they had set their sights on from right. almost day one? I mean, when was the last time they, they legitimately needed a need like a starting need and said, yeah, we could take the best guy? Because, I mean, Dale Lawley has been saying it, um, you know, on the Steelers radio network through all the draft coverage, you know, the average positioning that the Steelers draft at is 23. That's what they've earned every year. That's not including trade ups and things like that. So how often do you get to draft the guy that you want, A, and B, the best guy at a position group? And, I mean, it's across the board that Najee Harris is the best running back in you know on this prospect class now you know you say what you want about the you know people um you know saying that, that running backs aren't as coveted in the first round you can wait you know what normally that is the case but not this year and, and you know i you know it's funny crowley made this point too on during the draft coverage like you see that run that Najee harris made against notre dame like you know the hurdle to all those people that say you can find a running back late yeah i mean how many guys on the planet can do that. How many guys on the planet can do that run, can make that run happen? There's like five of them, and they're all in the league, and Najee Harris is the fifth one who just got to the league. So, you know, that kind of debunks that theory. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you look at Najee Harris, I mean, this is the guy that, you know, we all hope that would be there. Um, And like I said, it's a huge huge deal because, like I said, the Steelers looked at this, you know, this, this position group and said, we need some help here. And, you know, Tom, like you said, after, you know, Jalen Phillips got drafted by Miami, um, you know, some 
the other guys that you could have maybe talked me into, you know, Darisaw goes to pick before them. You, you know, you could you have maybe— if that made their decision for them. Right. I think it did. I mean, you could have maybe talked me into taking Darisaw at 24 if he was still there. He fell a little bit. Um, you know, Caleb Farley was another interesting guy that got picked two picks before them. But, you know, other than that, there wasn't a lot of guys. You know, Zaven Collins was interesting, but he got taken at 16. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of— other picks that you could have made. I mean, this was a no-brainer, and, and, and it's a great no-brainer. It's a great position to be in. With every pick that started in, like, the midway point of the draft, we were all holding our breath. When it came to the Jets' second pick, when it got to Miami, when it got to Arizona, you were holding your breath thinking, okay, this is – we were texting each other. We were saying, okay, here's where Najee's going to go. Let's let's get start to get comfortable with ATN or, or Javante Williams here. And with every team that we thought he was going to go to, they passed. It was edge rushers or offensive linemen or whoever. It, it was it was players that just didn't happen to be Najee Harris, and it didn't seem real until pick twenty four arrived and he was still on the board. Right, you were holding your breath that whole way, and it was really most dire. I think when it was. Um, who was it? It was like pick 23 was the Jets, right? Right before, Or is it pick 20? The Jets had picked, had traded up, right? They they were slated to take at pick 23. They traded up somewhere, and you thought, okay, this is where they'll go. But no, it, Najee Harris fell, and honestly, it's the first time I can remember, maybe in my lifetime, where we had entered a draft and we had said, this has to be the guy the Steelers take in the first round. And we hope he falls to us, right? There was always that that part of it where you thought, okay, let's hope we can get him, but in reality, we probably won't, so we have to set targets elsewhere. This was the first time I can remember in probably my entire lifetime where we entered an offseason and we said to ourselves, this has to be the guy, and the Steelers actually got him. With Najee Harris, the Steelers are getting a four-year player at Alabama. He ran for 1,466 yards last year, 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, he had just a light 26 touchdowns, nothing really <laughs> crazy there on the ground. 43 receptions, 425 yards through the air, and four more touchdowns. So 30 times he found himself in the end zone during his senior season at Alabama. One of the best running backs in football last yep. year as far as college is concerned. And... The only little concern maybe I'd have is his age because he's 23 years old. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. You yeah. Know, running matter. backs have a short shelf life in the NFL to right. begin with in, anyway. In four years, he'll be 27. And, and you know, who knows what he's going to look like then. And exactly. that's a fair. that's a fair question. And the way that the Steelers love to use running backs when they have elite running backs is put them into the ground. Right. I mean, Le'Veon right. Bell was carrying the ball 30 times a game sometimes without any yeah. reserves or any thought of putting in a second running back to spell him on a couple of downs because – just the way Mike Tomlin right. operates. He likes to hand the ball to his bell cow, and he likes him to roll all game long if he is rolling. And Najee Harris is a guy that fits that mold. And no question, yeah. Obviously, the big criticism around town after the pick was, and it kind of feels like people are just trying to find a place to find criticism because it's such a perfect pick, honestly. But it's you took a running back in the first round. Is that too early to take a running back? You hear that get floated around so much as the big critique, oh, you could have traded back, or oh, you take a lineman. Listen, they, we've been saying all along there are three running backs in this class. If the Steelers didn't take Najee Harris and pull the trigger there in the first round of pick number 24, you saw what happened. Etienne went right after, yep. and then the third guy, Javante Williams, was the first pick in the second round. I mean, we thought he would float a little bit into the second round. He was the first pick in yep. the second round. So 
all big three guys were well off the board in that first round range. And you're sitting there criticizing the Steelers and saying, well, you can't draft a running back that high. Well, three other teams did, or two other teams other than the Steelers did as well. I'm right. counting that first pick in the second round as almost a de facto first round pick. It's the number 33 pick in the draft. It's a damn good player that you're getting there. All three of the top dog running backs go very early in this draft. And like Tomlin said in his press conference with Colbert, look, it doesn't matter what position they play. If a player is special and first-round special, they should go first-round. Yep. Yeah, of course running backs have a short shelf life, but it's like we're so quick to forget Like there are exceptions to the rule. And Najee Harris wasn't even that big of an exception. He was a late first-round pick, but there's guys like Zeke Elliott who get top-10 treatment. Leonard Fournette gets top-10 treatment. And there's going to be another running back in the future that's going to get top-10 treatment like Saquon Barkley did. It's just going to happen. Sometimes you just have a golden goose show up at these positions, and not to say Najee Harris was to that extent, but taking him at number 24 isn't like you wasted a number one overall pick on a running back here. No, no. Um, and just real quick, I mean, you, it was the the third pick of the second round, but your point is still well taken. That's still basically a first-round pick. I think you went to Denver, which is a nice pickup by Denver, getting Javante Williams. But, yeah, I don't understand the section of Steeler fans and the section of, of Steelers um, media, I guess, that, that somehow think this is the wrong move and somehow think that, you know, this, you know, this isn't the right way to go. You need offensive line help, which is true, which we'll get to that later. It still got addressed. You know what I mean? The, the draft doesn't end after the first round, after the first pick you make. Um, and like I said before, you know, anybody that looks at this move to take Najee Harris in the first round, I mean, clearly you don't pay attention that much because A, the draft doesn't end after the first round, and B, you literally just took the best consensus player out of position late in the first round at number 24. Like I, I said just a, a couple minutes ago, like when has that happened for the Steelers? When have they had a chance to do that? You know, so many times before the Steeler, Steelers fans and media say, oh, you reach for that guy. Trail Edmonds is the, is the prime example because you're picking at the end of the first round. You don't exactly have the top tier guys, even though it's still a first round pick. It's not the, you know, slam dunk guy that you that you probably want. The position that you probably want isn't there. So you're probably, you know, you probably have an idea what your best need is. But there's a guy you like, hey, you know, we're late in the first round here. We're not going to get the best guy at a position. But here you do. And that's what I don't understand. You know, people were freaking out um, Thursday night saying that this is an awful pick. And, and, and you know, it doesn't. And, and like we've talked about, whether or not you think that building for the future, that, that, that not building for the future, that, that going all in for this year, for Ben's last year is the right move or not. This does both things. It, it, it's for the now because, you, you know, Ben is going to have somebody to hand the ball off to. And B, it's for the future because, like we just illustrated, you're going to control him for four years. It's a no-brainer. It's definitely a no-brainer. And the people who are saying that it's the wrong pick, they made the Steelers should have made the the investment pick in the offensive lineman, are going to be laughing to themselves when, in a year from now, Najee Harris is going to be probably what what he's supposed to pan out to be, and that's going to be a legitimate running back in this and is in this NFL. I don't know why people think his talent wouldn't be able to translate. I don't know why they think that a offensive lineman could be more impactful than him. I don't get it. I don't understand the argument. And quickly too, I think that point is made a little bit even more when the very next pick, the second best back goes in, in the draft and Travis ETN. I mean, you know, clearly there were other teams right around that area that thought highly of running back because as soon as ET or as soon as um, Harris went, 
ETN goes to pick right behind them. That, that tells you that that at least one other team, I'm sure there were others, valued the running back position when they saw that first one go. And it's then Javante Williams goes, what, seven, the third picks, pick. seven picks later? Seven yeah. picks later. And, you know, we'd be sitting here kicking ourselves. We were waiting from the time the Steelers took Najee until pick 55. We were saying, oh, well, there goes certain offensive linemen. There goes, you know, Tevin Jenkins and other guys. If we didn't, if the Steelers didn't go, if the Steelers had taken someone like Tevin Jenkins, right, and Najee Harris wasn't the pick, we were saying, oh, there goes this tackle. Now you're looking at Michael Carter, right? Also at running back. But not even that. But you would be saying, you would be kicking yourself, saying, oh, I mean, there goes Najee, just like we thought. There goes ATN, just like we thought. There goes Javante, just like we thought. It would have been much worse than the waiting period we had from pick one to pick two, and we were saying, okay, well, we're not getting the offensive lineman we would have hoped we could have targeted in the second round, but at least we have Najee. It's also interesting, you know, the Jaguars picked 33 and 25 right after the Steelers, and they didn't wait until 33 to nope. take the running back. They took Etienne right away because in that 25th they, pick. Because they probably they, thought that he was going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, and you know who that someone else probably would have been is maybe the Buffalo Bills. Sure. To circle him and take him. There are rumors they, that they were going to trade up in the first round anyway. Yeah, a team that could have cut in front of the Steelers for Najee services. But with Najee Harris, you know, translating now towards him being a Steeler, and, you know, I know the offensive line is a work in progress, and yeah. in our next episode we'll get to the linemen that they picked up because – you know, there was more than just one day of the draft, and they filled pretty much every single need yep. that they needed to as far as this draft was concerned. But talking about that offensive line, you know, it's not just a great offensive line can make a mediocre running game better. A, a really great running back can make a mediocre offensive line better as well. I mean, you can have an average 15, 16th in the league offensive line and a top 10 running back, and you're still going to have a great running game. And I think the Steelers' offensive line, with additions that they've made through the draft and Dotson hopefully developing a yep. little bit more, you know, I, I think the Steelers' offensive line can be league average, and that's all they'd really have to be if Najee Harris projects to be what we think he's going to be his rookie year. And, you know, that's a guy – I look at him, and I think he could rush for 1,000 yards next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. I mean, you're playing 17 games now, too. That's a great point. Didn't even think about that. But, you know, James Robinson was an undrafted free agent last year and rushed for 1,000 yards in 16 games and for he Jacksonville. played for Jacksonville. And it's not like Jacksonville had world beater at offensive line <laughs> right, either. Right. So – you know, Najee Harris could absolutely come in behind the Steelers' offensive line as it currently stands right now. Forget even the draft picks that they made today. Yeah. As it currently stands right now, I could see him, if he stays healthy, rushing for over 1,000 yards in 17 games. Also, he has to be given the opportunity to do that by the Steelers' offense yeah. going more run-heavy or even just splitting more 50-50 as far as the run pass is concerned. But if he gets his opportunities there and the line holds up to be just average, I think Najee Harris has enough skill to make up for the line's deficiencies. Yeah, and it's a clear upgrade. I mean, it's it's night and day. You know, getting a guy that's the best at his position group in a, in, you know, not a great running back class, but a decent enough running back class where a lot of them, you know, went late first and then and early elite, mid to mid second. Elite running backs, like when a line gets blown up and a hole's not there, elite running backs can bounce it outside I, like nothing and yeah. get seven yards still. I like, mean, think of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? How many, like, not that they're the same player, they're not, but. But just think of that level. Like, yeah. think of when Lev Bell was here. And any time a line got blown up, just stopped, went to the outside, picked up as many yards as he could. It's the difference between guys like Najee and Bell and, and Saquon Barkley. Hopefully, Najee gets into that class. Yeah. But. 
guys of that pedigree and guys like a James Conner right. who will see a hole explode and they'll just try to push their way through it yeah. and try to muscle their way through it and still try to carve something out there where it's not there. They just don't have the athletic ability to bounce it outside like some of these guys. Right, do. and I completely agree. I mean, there's a lot of videos on Twitter. There are a lot of people saying that for anybody that still doesn't buy the the, the running back in the first round thing, there are multiple, I mean, there's probably 30 examples throughout the, the Alabama season, but condensed into a little video like of, of the Alabama offensive line. Think of that for a second. Like a really good offensive line in college getting blown up and he still turns it into a six, seven, eight yard game. You know, that's the type of player that you're getting here. Your offensive line doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's well illustrated by you that they are a work in progress. We all acknowledge the fact that the offensive line is going to be a work in progress. I mean, it has to be when you lose a Hall of Fame caliber center. Granted, you replace him later in the draft, but still, um, you know, you know, have a lot of guys that don't have a ton of experience, and that's a little bit of a worry. But if they're just average, hell, even if they're a step below average, I still think Najee Harris, right. it, it makes them seem a lot better because of the player that he is. I think the best example you can give is something that I thought to immediately when the Steelers made the pick, which I was so thankful for that they did so, and that was Ben Roethlisberger in 2008. The first thing he said when he was on the podium after the Super Bowl 43 win, you know, he was ecstatic. He was just proud. Uh, he was happy to deliver to the city of Pittsburgh. And then the next thing he said was, who's laughing now offensive line? It was the worst offensive line in all football. And people say – You can overcome it, right? People say, people right say you cannot win championships. You can win championships without a great running back. You cannot win championships without a great offensive line. Well, the 2008 Steelers did so, and I feel like Najee Harris is not going to be intimidated at all. Najee Harris isn't the type of guy to sit in the backfield and say to himself, uh-oh, this offensive line isn't for me. I'm not going to be able to be me. Right? He's not going to have that mindset. Nah, He's going to go no. out there and say, I'm the guy. I don't care who's in front of me. I'm the guy regardless. He's a beast, too. I mean, he's six foot one. He's... 220 pounds he's he, he, 230 pounds excuse me he, he's an absolute every down back in the nfl uh yeah. built in a lab pretty much for what you want out <laughs> of these guys and his uh, athletic ability is just through the charts the only knock that i have and, and it's not really even a knock mike pursuit brought this up on, on the draft coverage is just the fact that there's not a, a real 40 time there, there's no idea you know what i mean not that that takes away from the mm. player that he is but it would be nice to know and maybe there's a reason he didn't run maybe he's not explosive but you've seen his you know we, we've seen all his highlight film from alabama i mean the dude is, is a beast and he's fast enough he's and, fast enough yeah, right exactly. and that's all that matters i mean you know i don't care if you run a 4-4 honestly if you fall forward every time i could care less look i don't need breakaway speed from a running back i mean right Le'Veon bell was at the top <laughs> of the league and he never really how, broke him off right how many times did you see yards, him yeah have know? an 80 yard touchdown run. now there's guys like barkley who have it all the complete package <laughs> right, where right. they're going to do all the little things and extend plays and break tackles but then also if he's in the open field he's going to burn you right. for no 70 one's yards no him, one's yeah. catching him but you know you don't have to be that kind of a back no. to be very successful in the nfl Death by a thousand paper cuts. If Najee Harris just gets four yards, five yards, yeah. six yards, four yards, four yards, six yards, seven yards. I mean, he's just going to slow burn a ton of defenses, wear them out. Yeah. Same way that Bell did. And I'm not trying to just make the comparison to Bell because they're not the same running style. I mean, no one really compares to Bell's running no. style. But it's just that's the excitement level that I have because the Steelers haven't had a back of this caliber since Le'Veon Bell left. No, and I think that's the most exciting thing is – you heard Arthur Motes talk about it on the draft coverage last night. Like, 
you don't want to keep tackling this guy if you're a defense. You know what I mean? I think that part of it is something huge, too. We talked about it so much last year that the Steelers just flat out gave up on the running game. And when they needed to run the ball to run the clock out on teams or to kind of play takeaway with, you know, without, you know, to keep the ball away, I guess is a better word to play keep away. They couldn't do it because they just flat out didn't run the ball. This now gives you that opportunity. Having Najee Harris now allows you to, you know, with seven, eight minutes to go in the game. Hey, let's give Najee eight carries and hopefully he gets 35 yards on him. He does that. We're in good shape. We're in really good business. And all of a sudden, hey, there's only two minutes left and we still have the ball, you know, driving into our own territory. The other team's out of timeouts. Count one example that I think of all the time in that type of football scenario. Eight minutes left, you had the lead. Let's just ice this baby. And it it was oh God, was it twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen? It was a Monday night football game in Tennessee. It was the game that Le'Veon Bell had two hundred yeah, yards and, and LeGarrette Blunt basically field, quit. Yeah. And the Steelers had the lead with like eight minutes to go. And typically, you know, before that was Le'Veon's it was two thousand fourteen, it was Le'Veon's second year. You know, you had no running back previously of, since Jerome Bettis, really, where you could hand it off to multiple times with seven, eight minutes to go and just say, we can run the clock down. And I was so nervous. I thought, okay, we're going to turn the ball over on downs at some point, and Tennessee's going to score. That's not what happened at all. It was poetic justice to see the Steelers have a running back do so in that manner, what Le'Veon Bell did, just run and run and run and run. And not only was it the fact that when Le'Veon Bell left, did the Steelers not have capable running backs after him, but the Steelers were so afraid to even try to run the ball that there was no running game in existence whatsoever, even if James Conner was healthy, which we know when he's healthy, he could have averaged four yards per carry. That's what he was doing when he was healthy, but he was so unhealthy so often that we barely saw that out of him. So I think now with an actual running back, a real running back in Najee Harris, not only will you see a guy be capable, but you'll see the Steelers hopefully not shy away from the run game as much as they have the past couple of years. I'll give you, you got that example of the Tennessee game. Rushed for 200 yards. He didn't rush for as many yards in this one, but I think back to that San Diego Chargers Monday Night Football game. Oh, my game God. Mike yeah. Vick was the starting quarterback. He ran for 111 yards. That was Le'Veon's first game of the year because of a suspension. 111 yards, 21 carries, and one big touchdown that he scored as time expired. There, the was, one there, yard was, line. there was no one else who was going to get the ball in Wildcat, that scenario. And he wasn't yeah. just, it wasn't like a walk-in. Like He had to no, push his for, way yeah. into no, the he, end zone. He, he did the Le'Veon Bell thing. He waited a little bit, lifted his leg, like basically perpendicular or parallel to the ground. I remember over it, I believe it was to Castro who he had to step over. Incredible. Yeah. And that's just what a great running back does for you. And guess that, what? That was a one in one to go yard situation. You, you know, have there was no time James, left on James the clock. Conner, James Conner's not making that run. Benny Snell's not making that run. There was no time left on the clock. If he missed, the Steelers would have lost the game. Right. He Tomlin bargained. Uh, and you can do that when you have a back of that or caliber. Gamble. You can put the yeah. ball in his hands. And that's something that the Steelers' offense now finally has. And finally, I think the biggest takeaway from this that I have is that this is someone that Ben Roethlisberger is going to want to hand the ball off to next year. I don't think he was that ecstatic about James Conner, despite James Conner when he's healthy, rushing for an average of over four yards throughout his entire career. I just don't know if he trusted him. I don't know if he saw the NFL explosiveness that he had been working with with I mean, shoot, he came into the league with Jerome Bettis, who's a Hall of yeah. Famer, and then he worked with Willie Parker. You want to talk about explosiveness. <laughs> and then Rashard Mendenhall had first-round pedigree yeah. that James Conner didn't have, and Mendenhall, of course, gets injured, and his career kind of goes by the wayside, but then here comes Le'Veon Bell, and that's the best out of all of them that he might have actually yeah, played with for that short span. And then 
all of a sudden he's left with James Conner, who's just eh, and can't stay healthy. And when he goes down, the people that he has to deal are with are just garbage and not even close to NFL quality. So Ben is more tempted to check out of these runs and yeah. go to these passes. When number 22 is in that backfield now and he's rolling in a game, I could imagine Ben maybe checking out of a pass and going into a run now. I could see that greener pasture coming to fruition because you got an actual beast that you'd want to use if right. you're a quarterback, or at least if you're an intelligent quarterback, which Ben is, you're going to want to get the ball to your best players, and you can do it very efficiently by just handing it off to Najee. And just think how different the screen game will look, too. You know, that's one thing that we haven't touched on yet. Um, you know, the the I think Najee Harris and Matt Williams made this point last night. Um, you know, I think that, that – he probably could have come out last year, and he probably would have been a second round. Pick. I feel like Etienne's the same way, and maybe would have been Etienne a first would have been a first round pick, pick yeah. last year, I think. Um, but I, 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 you know, Matt made this point. He doesn't know if this happened, but I think it's a good point. Like Najee sits down with, uh, with Coach Saban, and is like, Coach, what do you think? And he says, Well, Najee, you know, if you play again, if you come back this year, you know, you're a great runner. You're probably going to get drafted second, third round. You're probably going to play a lot. But if you come back, we're going to make you a receiver and we're going to show your your receiving talents because that was the knock on Najee Harris last year in college before he decided to go back to Alabama. Can he catch the ball? Can he receive it? And he proved last year that he can. He just adds a different di- dimension to the passing game too. Um, and, and that's something that I'm sure Ben is going to use. I mean, you think of how many times, you know, right. he, he loves the, to throw the ball. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many times he just dumped the ball to left belt? You know what I mean? How it turned many, into 30 right. yards. I mean, you had AB, you had Juju down the field, but how many times did he just say, I'm just going to go to my check down guy yeah. and throw I, it off to Lev? And guess got, what? He's not, yeah. he's not just going to get you two or three yards. He, he's he's going to get a first down. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing here is, you know, if it's third and five, everyone else is covered. Oh, well, I'm under pressure. Here you go, Najee. I'm just going to flip it to you, get five yards. That's the type of thing that he can do. And I know Connor kind of did that, but not to this no. level. And, and I think Connor that's... almost overthought things a little bit yeah. when he was trying to receive and he was just looking for the angle or the path to get more yards. I don't know. He kind of just seemed like he stutter stepped a little too much. But I think the biggest thing here is that, and I don't know if Colbert and company did this in mind, had this in mind, but this force has been to rely on the running game more. It forces him to hand the ball yeah. to a first-round pick. I mean, if, if, if he's not going to hand the ball off to him, why the hell would we bring him here? You know what I mean? I, I think not that Colbert and Tomlin are going to have that conversation with Ben, but that's probably it's their true, thought though. process. That You know what I mean? But do you wonder, do you guys think, is Ben going to go under center more? Because Maybe. with a big dog um, like Najee Harris, you kind of want him behind a quarterback right. who's under center. So he has more vision. Do you, think we'll see a, do you think we'll see a lot more of Derek Watt this year, too? I, that's another thing that I would be more interested in because I know that not every time, but Alabama does have a fullback on their roster. Yeah. Nick Saban does use a fullback when he needs short yardage as far as elite blocking is concerned. So, you know, I, I and Derek Watt's getting paid a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. So it'd be in their best interest to use him as a lead blo- blocker for Najee Harris. But again, I, I think that if it's going to be as successful as it can be, as arbitrary as it sounds, Ben needs to go under center a little bit more yeah, often. I mean, I agree. A, it keeps the defense guessing a little bit. And B, you gave your running back a little bit ahead of steam. I mean, you let him go forward a little bit more. And then also, C, if you are running the ball well out of snapping the ball from under center, Imagine what that's going to do for your play action game. Yeah, right. I mean, he he adds, like I said, he adds a different dimension to the passing game and receiving. 
but he could also open the passing game up because of play action. If he's ripping them off eight, nine, you know, 10 yards of carry, all of a sudden you're on a play action pass. Oh, hey, there's Juju in the middle of the field wide open. There you go. That's going to do for this episode of Steelers Snare. All Najee Harris this episode, but there are eight other guys the Steelers drafted in this class. Started the day with, or started the draft with eight picks, traded into the fifth round with a pick from next year. So they had nine total picks. We will get into the rest of your new Pittsburgh Steelers on the next episode of Steelers Standard. So make sure you listen to that. And you can check out all our episodes, as always, at Steelers.com. That's where all of our podcasts are. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I am Tom Opperman. We will talk to you on the next episode of Steelers Standards Draft Extravaganza.